tonight. Poetry night rings through. Well, I'm not apologizing, but I'm gonna. Um, good, because you write with no apology, according to this. Well, it says it here. It's in writing, so it's got to be true. Ooh, and these poems, they live somewhere between a wet dream fantasy and the harsh light of the morning after. That sounds awesome. And sticky. <laughs> and sticky. <laughs> yes, Boris. Sticky. <laughs> what? <laughs> but thank goodness it says that she refuses to pull any punches. And I hope you don't tonight. Because... We don't want any punches pulled. I mean, we don't want to fight, but, I mean, if you are going to, don't pull them. And, yeah, so let's give it up. Casey Rose Chateau. Oh, where, where are you from? We've got a lot of East Coast poets coming over here lately. We like them. I, I like them anyway. So. Casey! You take as long as you want. You got a short I, I, I got a long book, so don't tempt okay. me. <laughs> I feel like I'm on an old-timey radio show. This is fun. It really. This is the coolest mic I've ever read into literally the microphone okay hello everyone this is a poem i will tell you about this book in a second but this is a poem called new year's eve it's appropriate because that just happened right No one has ever kissed me at midnight to tell me this year's gonna be different but one year, a friend who I was in love with called me at 11.51 p.m. from the Chelsea Hotel where he was at some amazing party with his girlfriend. He left me a message where he told me that he loved me for the first time. Later, he told me he was on acid. That's the whole poem. Yeah. <laughs> I like the light applause. Usually when I finish that poem, people are just like, ugh, annoying. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> way more subdued. It's confusing. Um, so it's funny because 
being asked where I'm from, lately I'm on tour right now and I live in Brooklyn currently. And so people keep introducing me like I'm from New York, which to a Bostonian is a little bit rough to deal with because it's like, you know, somebody saying you're a Yankees fan or something and Bostonians can't deal with that. So. Um, okay. I'm going to do two poems back-to-back. You can applaud in between if you really want, but uh, they sort of go together. So this is called Fidelity. The first time I ever cheated, it was during biology class. After lunch, the boy who I wanted to be dating asked me to skip last block. His girlfriend had just dumped him, and we smoked Marlboros under the stairs of the alternative learning program until some other kid came down and asked us to stop because they would get in trouble. We sauntered into the adjacent courtyard and found a hidden corner. I rested my head in his lap, and when he looked down, I Bambi batted my lashes up at him and pouted. He kissed me hard as gravel. A daycare group came outside, threatening secrecy, so we ran. I told my boyfriend what I had done and promised it would never happen again. My shame was only slight before he said he would kill himself if I ever left him. I carved words like honest into the flesh of my thighs with the blade of a disposable razor. But when I saw the other boy at a party, I did not stop him from kissing His hands gracefully crossed under the border of my pants. Sarah was sitting on the bed with us, and when she realized what was happening, she said, I'm going to go play Pogs. It was like 2002. (laughs) My vision blurred around the lines of decency as the 12 other people in the room pretended not to notice my legs quaking like a dog getting scratched in the sweet spot. My first infidelity was also my first little death, impossibly silent, wet, and trembling. So the second part of that is called prom night. (laughs) I still went to his prom even though I had cheated on him twice with the same person and he knew that. I was 15. He didn't dance, and I was trying to get sober, but on the way to the school-sanctioned after-party, a group of us cut through the woods, and he and I lagged behind. He lay down in the outfield of a Little League diamond, and I lifted my skirt. When we were done there, we walked through the playground, and he pulled my shirt off inside the tube slide, claustrophobic as I am. I made crass jokes about little kids complaining about a funny smell during recess. He laughed and spread my legs. On our third date, I had given him head behind the border's books on Route 28. Later, I lost my virginity to him with the door to my room cracked open. Prom night was the last time before I stopped caring if he killed himself or debating if suicide was manipulation. The same day I dumped him, I kissed the next one while waiting for my friend's mom to pick us up from the Cape Cod Mall like a city girl trying to pass time in the suburbs.
So this book's kind of funny. Uh, it just got published. It's called Knocked Up on Yes, which is hilarious to me. Um, but it's, I generally write like overtly political poems. And so this is much more, uh, personal, I guess. And so it's funny for me. This is, uh, maybe the first room that I've read anything from this book to where, n- like, nobody in the room that has a poem about them in the book. <laughs> Which is a weight off all your shoulders, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to find not that. Oh. Okay. And then, you know, commentary. This is called The Evolution of Porn. According to Google Zeitgeist, the second most searched phrase of 2010 was chat roulette squeezed in between the iPad and the iPhone 4. And this speaks volumes to how far humanity has come. This means that a lot of us who can afford it spent a lot of time wondering about a website which is a platform for jerking off at satellites and bouncing our cocks on the pixelated lips of random strangers from around the world. All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? Dancing in the dark, drone attacking unsuspecting browsers with semen and pleas of just one nipple, one real thing, anything, to keep them from cyborg ejaculation. The screen of the workday, unending glare of light and its computations begging for a taste, a carnal banquet of the woeful. How antiseptic. How bold in its denial of surveillance, the austerity of desire, and populist pornography for the huddled, weary, and thwarted by the improbability of punching bag tits and scenarios involving delivery drivers, we have come to this. The Skype circle jerk. The 18th ring of a tired hell we beg for skin. The longing for a scandal of ankles, for anything to be shocking, for everything to be sacred in its tangible possibility. So this poem's called Before Shipping Off. This is where the book title comes from. Pardon the heathen chin stroke. When you sit down in the passenger seat, he will marvel that you do not shy away from physical affection. Pluck a breast from the thin cotton dress suckle and remark how beautiful, how you must hear that all the time. As he drives, do not hesitate when he tells you to remove this or play with that, writhe indelicately under the middle finger when he asks about the biggest cock you've ever taken, try counting the number of times you remember being told to be more ladylike. Remember that this is foreplay. There is a thin line between whore and detective when you arrive at the destination, know that he will have you on your knees. Make your mouth a shotgun wedding, tongue knocked up on yes. He is packing, so wrap the glassware. 
peruse a naval manual, stop at a page with a web diagram, something that looks like it was scrawled on a bar napkin on some sloppy holiday in Qatar. The middle bubble reads, System Failure. It is connected to food shortages, economies of anxiety, panic buttons. He will spend idle, will he spend idle hours at sea daydreaming ways to balance the inevitable collapse of Western society upon your erect nipples? When it comes to it, will the faces of foreign women remind him of yours? This is the poem I was looking for. It's called um, Centerpiece. And it's about being in a psych ward. The first thing you said to me that they was that they put people like us in places like this because we're free thinkers. When my roommate rips me out of bed by my bad knee, I hope you're awake when I stomp into the dining room for water. You're not, but I fall asleep on the plastic mattress without blankets or the spit sweat of dark dreams anyway. In the morning, my hands gather up your hair in bushels, gentle as a knowing gardener. We sit in arts and crafts, trying to earn points for being agreeable, after refusing all the pills the nurses wouldn't explain. The Trinidadian one yelled your name over and over, Gustavo, Gustavo, then Diego. With my mustache grown in, I was your Frida. We scribbled some things on construction paper with crayon. You called yours stormy weather. Mine was centerpiece. Every moment I make, every movement, sorry, I make in this place is a collage of static. If it were not for this flesh and tension, it would be inhuman. But instead, there is a stream that I will follow amongst the gnarled trees and uncompromising thicket. Your call is very important to us. <laughs> this poem is called Teenage Dream. It is not a Katy Perry song. I promise. Even though I wore a pinstripe suit with a bikini kill t-shirt underneath, I still didn't know what to do when my friend's gloriously hot roommate pulled on my lapel and told me that I looked hot four times in one night. She, I was 17 and she was 25, and her girlfriend used to hit her. I mostly dry-humped boys in between classes, and although I knew I liked women, I had never acted on it. Two of my girlfriends fucked each other regularly, and one of them showed me pictures of both of them, pin-up round and lacy. She let me keep one of her girlfriend, my unsung teenage dreamboat from behind. After high school, she became a wistful glance at that photograph between book pages. 
Like many dirty old men, I was once a voyeur to homemade teenage lesbian porn. The first time I saw her again, it had been years, and in my shock, my knees buckled. Both of them had been through dope and recovery. I had sex with the one who didn't disappear, but when the lost one arrived, I felt like weeping. That smile was a clearing among 10,000 scrub pines. Bury my ashes there. I like how it's hard to tell <laughs> when my poems end. Uh, and I mean that in that I have had many audiences be like, is it time? Is she going to say something? No. Okay. And then I have to kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's, go ahead, if you want. Start booing now. Um, okay. I'm going to do like, maybe two more from this book, and then I'll do an older one, I think. And I have no idea how long I've been talking for, so. Okay, great. <laughs> Uh, this is called the, the Iago Sparrow and Mount Vesuvius. The sun rose in the morning. Quiet. Bread baking, hair braided, water bearing human in its ordinary. The day just breaking, unkempt in some corners, while the boil and the hot womb of planet shoved its way forward. Rapid rush of blistering magma. The glory of the Baobab shape. The silence of the Benny. The people of Pompeii rooted like trees, frozen as pillars of salt, but a gushing projectile of earth guts, a birth of mayhem. Centuries later, as a child, you were lost in these same streets, roaming as is your wont. My blood carries the tide of whalers. My bones are hollow bird things prepared for flight always, and you carve scenes of the petrified city into them. As a man, your hands reached for a fistful of my hair, and you kissed me, punctured my train of thought for months, volcanic. Every morning since has been ominous in its beauty, each new dawn arising with a quickening sulfuric promise. Pluck me from flight again, just so I might hear the tempest inside you. I'm going to do this. I don't know why I keep reading this poem. It hurts every time. This poem was originally titled, OMG, hashtag, YOLO, comma, right? <laughs> and many people said that I couldn't do that. And I was like, why? And they were like, you're not Drake. And I was like, oh, you're right, I'm not. And then I was like, okay, well... The poem's called You Only Live Once. So I still snuck it in there. 
when he said it, something detonated. In the first days, he would text elaborate fantasies of whole basketball teams emptying into every one of my orifices. And I would nudge until he spilled out truth in between all of the obfuscation. He had been fucking other women since their wedding day, and I was not breaking ground. Some days, he wanted to make me pregnant. On others, he wanted me out in the stable, strung up, bit in mouth, aching, as his court frustration at an insufficient life cut across my flesh. Perhaps my tongue had been an invitation. He said he bought and paid for me 150 years ago that we both knew it. If I refused the crossing, died swollen with salt, slit my skin before the auction block, no one would tell him, so I howl this. He said he owned me as he reached for my barking throat. Time-traveling blackness carried with me across the sunless lands into this new shape. He was the only white man to openly admit that the, the historical arithmetic got him harder than Sherman's march. Honesty is often less admirable than we admit. I once loved a racist, a bully. An angry god sputtering over his own invention, this imagined plantation. Me, bare-breasted, polishing his silver, braiding his wife's red hair in the mirror. She calls him while he is unsheathed, slapping in time to the rhythm laid bare by the skin of the drums his ghosts took from mine when master thought that they meant riot, which is to say my chest never stopped dancing. What he will never know is that the beat was always murder. That I can outrun history. That I fly. Sorry, I'm trying to... I, a lot of these poems are poems that I've never read out loud before I started going on tour with them. I'm trying to find one that I have not read yet, so then you guys can be like the fresh ears, you know? Um, let's see. There's a poem I get... Uh, I don't even want to give you the options because they they will sound weird if I offer them to you. It's like, oh, I could do that poem about getting slapped in the face, which sounds worse than what it means. Um, ah! I think I found it. That's not the poem. This is a different poem. Okay. This is called The Good Things About Her. There were many bad things. I met up with her at a house party in Alston, and she must have been drinking. The zippers of our jeans pressed together in a narrow hallway, bottlenecked in a slow river of art school tattoos and dental floss stitches. I ran into an old friend who held my hand like I was British royalty as we said goodbye. The door obscured her from his sight, and she leaned in from the hallway and bit my ear, promising me that it was worth leaving. 
later, after we decided to just be friends. We found it, it, <laughs> we found ourselves slugging cheap wine from the bottle under a willow tree at sunset by Jamaica Pond. We were in a romantic summer comedy about gay teen- teenagers, so one of us had to be closeted and the other one hopeless. She leaned into my shoulder like I was the captain of the baseball team. When I asked if I could kiss her again, I didn't hide my cupped hands from the eyes of the passing joggers. You see, how, you see how gross this chapbook looks? It's like accordion folded. It's very old. Um, I know what poem I want to do. It might be in my brain, so I could just do that, but I don't think it is anymore. It's called For Those Still Living. Oh, there's a thing about this poem. It's fun. Um, I don't know if you guys are ready for it, because we're kind of low energy, but there is a point where I, I'm going to say, make a noise any noise and I need you guys to like just whatever weird animal sounds are inside of you that you have not let out today just at that point just let them out finally <laughs> can you can you do that yeah okay <laughs> what no I mean humans are animals so it could be a human noise which is literally anything that you can make as a noise Yeah. All right. (laughs) Good thing we clarified that. You know, if you've got a weird refrigerator and you want to make the noise that that's making, it's cool. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It should not be a burden to breathe. And yet some days the downtrod. The overdraft fees. The simple drag of getting out of bed. And yes... We all know. So please open up the floodgates and let oxygen pour life back in. Lovers leave, and money, and sometimes whole lives, but here we are together. Consider the mother of seven now left with four. One in the cradle, one bullet hole in the neighbor's floorboards, one heart attack after the kidney took, and a husband passed there too, my grandmother. Dark eyes that constantly look wet, fixed on the Sox game, trying to look away from what's coming for all of us. Or the 18-year-old refugee. Congo to Nigeria to South Dakota. Imagine the running in her blood. Safety taunts her like a schoolyard bully, and the first sunlight cracks open over her every morning like gunfire. But there, look, the movement of the lungs and the hand on her shoulder that wishes it was an embryo of healing. We all survive something if we're still here. I don't like to use the word miracle, but our language affords us little else for the pushing that happens between obstacle after obstacle after... Sometimes it is easy to forget that our bodies are the spastic, joyous noise of sunshine. 
when the suicide note goes to the mortgage company and Tuesday morning finds the train cars filled with women in tears at the headlines, the grimace glides in from all the dark crevices in our marrow. But let us not forget the movement which propels us and cease to condemn our own velocities. It would be too simple to stuff fear like hay into shirt set shirt sack scarecrows without mind enough to understand how belief is built into each and every one of us and what rubs the nerve endings raw and the soft patter of infinite molecules and the fingernail tapping on your pulse it's happening if we did not believe that we were here congregated and passing carbon dioxide amongst us we would be awash on the rocks of a sunless place alone And I know that sometimes we have felt this way. The dismal sound of bile in our bellies, heads empty of all else but ugly confusion. And I know that some of us have been to the edges, but now make a noise. Any noise. (laughs) You can do it louder. Come on. Make any noise you want, dude. And know that here you are present and accounted for. Consider this a sermon. And y'all are the choir. And Bellingham, you look great. Your fingers are singing and your eyelashes and your breath. Please, lend it to a simple song. Don't be bashful. Scarecrows and slipper keepers, let us breathe together. Okay, I'm going to do one more poem. Any objections? All right, okay. (laughs) I just, there's just one poem that I want to find. Okay, here we go. Um, I like doing this. I like doing this as the last one because it's a, a love poem, sort of. It's called Common Law. Before we got hitched, he would buy whole cheesecake samplers from the supermarket, swallowing each piece whole as he drove, and then tossing the less delicious ones out the window when I asked if I could have a piece. We were married on my 19th birthday. Walking through Northampton, I spotted a small bird uselessly flapping its wings in the middle of the road moments before the light changed to green. It toppled, ass over tea kettle, deft, be leapt in front of cars which were not prepared to stop scooping the duckling into his long hands and onto the sidewalk. We were always late on promises, so there were no vows but that motion, gentle and swift in its danger. We dragged the divorce out over several years without lawyers, just bruised faces and full ashtrays. After we said it was the last time and meant it, we moved into the same house. He leaves in the fits of a sailor and returns with the words, love of my life, dangling from his mouth like the world's dumbest cigarette. I still scrape him off the back steps when he is too drunk and proclaiming that the sun will be his alarm clock. In the kitchen, we make tea and read poems like ritual. 
The radio fuzzes around the edges and kicks up a little dust at the edge of our parquet, telling us that ceremony and God were never meant for such sinners. Thank you, guys. Casey Rochateau, everybody. Thanks, Casey.